you're visiting today, it's great to have you with us. We believe God um, has a plan for everybody, and so it's not a mistake you're here to, to join with us and to hear the Word of God. I know some of you are coming back, so we'll see you in a bit, but it takes, you know, it's taking longer for them to go. Have you noticed? Well, it's called growth. There's a, we are growing as a church, and that uh, is um, a sign of God's goodness. I love it. The next generation growing up to know Jesus. Isn't it wonderful? And we love families. We love people who um, really know that it's important to raise their kids God's way, and that would include being in the church. And we've got great children's workers here. We're so blessed with our children's ministries. Every parent said, Amen. Every grandparent said, Amen. And every pastor said, Hallelujah. Because they are amazing people. And the way they're laying down their lives to see God's plan for the next generation. So thank you. And I know that you as parents would profusely thank them too, regularly. But I just think it's good to remind ourselves to always be thankful on every occasion for those who serve particularly serve our children. Well, we're in a season where God is really emphasizing grace. It's a wonderful word, even if I say it. Oh, Paul started all his letters with the word grace to you and peace. Now, it's not just a greeting. It's speaking about the power of God to bring his unearned favor and goodness and blessing into your life. So grace, you don't work for it. It's just given. So when God is speaking grace, he's not saying, I want you to do anything. I want you to receive something. So grace is always speaking of receiving from God. Grace to you and peace. It's interesting the two things go together because God knows what makes us well. His unearned favor and blessing in our lives, his attitude is that he is a, has an attitude of grace and blessing and favor towards us because of Jesus. And it affects everything about the way you relate to God. The grace message affects whether you're confident with God or not. The grace message affects the way you relate to yourself. That you can be gracious to yourself because God is gracious to you. Isn't that wonderful? Because I'm kind of, I err on the side of, I get fed up with myself. Does anybody err on that side? I get absolutely, no, not many of you. You all think you're brilliant, do you? Well, that's the other side. Um, <laughs> and I get totally fed up with myself sometimes. And the Lord, the Lord corrects me to say, you just need to be more gracious to yourself. So his grace to me affects the way I think about myself, but it also affects the way I relate to other people. Grace changes marriages. Grace changes children. Raising children in grace changes them. And I would recommend you call your mother-in-law a mother in grace. That's a slight joke there. Nobody got it. The mother in grace. 
because we are not under law, Scripture says, but we're under grace. And we're just going to look at the subject of understanding grace because I think it's very misunderstood in the Christian scene today. Grace is a power from God and it can be preached wrong and it can actually produce a crazy church, which is not God's plan. But God wants us to live in this amazing gift of his grace. If I was to walk down the street and ask somebody, just anybody that I meet, how and what kind of person goes to heaven? How do you get to heaven? And a lot of the time people would answer, well, you've got to be good to go to heaven. If you're not good, you won't go. And if I was to ask them, well, are you good? They would probably say, yes, I'm a good person. Because everybody likes to think of themselves as good. Uh, is that not right? So everybody likes it. Yeah, well, I'm good. And actually, if you've got a set of scales, the old-fashioned scales, the, the good that I do outweighs the bad. So I'm in credit because of the good that I do and the bad that I don't do. I do a bit, but not overly much. The trouble is, good people don't go to heaven. Only perfect people go to heaven. Do I need to say that again? Good people don't go to heaven. Only perfect people go to heaven. So how on earth can you and I be made perfect? What is the way to be made perfect? If we all are honest on the scales, we might have some good and some bad on our accounts with God. How on earth do I get to heaven if I'm supposed to be perfect? Well, Romans 4, we're going to look at how Abraham was credited or accounted to be in right standing with God, or you could say perfect. Now you might think it's because Abraham was born a really good boy. You know, in a family you can have a good one and a bad one. And the good one always wants to do the right thing, and the bad one well, doesn't ever want to do the right thing. And so you can say over the good boy, yeah, you're a good boy, and the bad boy, you're a bad boy. So was Abraham born a good boy? Was it the way he lived that made him right with God? And if you read the story about what the Bible calls Abraham the father of our faith, he lied. That's sin, for a start. To lie is a sin. He actually lied about his wife and said, she's my sister, just so that he would be protected. And his 
his life be saved and, and somebody else slept with his wife because he lied. He also had a child from his servant, Hagar. So Abraham didn't live a perfect life. But in Romans chapter 4, we're going to read these four verses that are really important to understand about God's amazing grace and this word righteousness, to be in right standing with God. Romans 4 verse 1 to 2. What shall we say that, that Abraham our father was found according to the flesh? That means naturally. For if Abraham was justified, that means just as if he'd not sinned. To be justified means to be right. Justified by works. Then he's got something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Can I just read that again? Abraham believed God, and the, the other word for accounting is credit. It was credited to him as righteousness. The next verse, please. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but debt. So in other words, if Abraham had worked to be good and right with God. God would say, God, you earned all the points that you needed to earn to be right with me. It's like going to work at the end of the week or at the end of the month, you expect to be paid. But this is like doing no work and getting paid for it. That's grace. Works is what we do to be right with God. Grace is what Jesus has already done for us so that we can be right with God. Wow. And I want to speak about amazing grace through amazing righteousness. Because I think some of us have lost that first amazingness about the gift that God makes us righteous by faith, not by works. And you can get into all kinds of trouble if you think what you do makes you right with God. Or the bad you do kicks you out of the Lamb's book of life. Some of people think the angels have got a big rubber in heaven and they're rubbing out your name in the Lamb's book of life because you did something wrong. And then they write it back in because you do something good. And then they get that rubber back out and they start to rub out, say, no, no, that name's gone again. It's not in, out, in, out. Because that's the wrong concept of the righteousness of God by faith. Because if it was works, then you would say, well, I've earned a few extra points over here. My life has been a good life. I deserve to go to heaven. Well, scripture puts it like this. There is no one righteous, not even one, for we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard, God's glory. So in other words, 
Not one of us could be right with God, including Abraham. Even though he lived a life that pleased God with obedience, it wasn't his obedience that made him right. It was his his belief that made him righteous. Not the other way around. So what you believe, there are three points here. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him. It came into his account. And he was called righteous. So Abraham didn't achieve righteousness by what he did but by faith alone, that it might be all grace. You see, you are not saved by what you do. You're only saved through faith, believing in what Jesus has done on the cross for you. That he took the punishment for your sin, and that he died on that cross and rose again from the dead. That whoever believes, that's the requirement, whoever believes in him will not perish. How many believers are happy that you won't? Does anybody believe and you're happy you won't perish? Because that second bit, that second bit is nasty, let me tell you. Nobody wants to go to a place called hell if you really know about it. But that's why Jesus came. He came to save us from our sins so that we might be made righteous in God's eyes through faith and faith alone. You see, it's so easy as Christians, myself included, that if I wake up in a really good mood and I think, oh, birds are singing, Time with God goes amazing in the morning, reading my Bible, praying for other people. And if I live with other people, just imagine this scenario, which I do, I share a house. I get up and make them breakfast, make all the coffees, run around, then I go to work. And on the way, three people cut in in front of me. And I'd rather than give them the look because you know you can give them the look without doing anything. I can give, I, nobody's ever given them the look. I go, bless you. And then I go again, bless you. And I have an amazing day at work. And I, I don't enter into any criticism when everybody's bad mouthing the boss. What do I do? I try and find something good to say and I say it. And when somebody disrespects me, I just think, oh, Lord, I forgive them straight away. I've been forgiven so much. It's not a problem to me to offer mercy in this situation. And I go home and, oh, gosh, the kids are there. And I I just got so much energy that I want to play with them and then, Oh, just, it's just been a good day. I feel pretty good about myself. I go to bed going, thanking God I'm as good as I am. And then the next day, I wake up in a mood. How did that happen? I'm lazy. I make everybody, I'm just that grumpy. They avoid me. And I just make my own breakfast. 
and I run out to work. Somebody cuts out in front of me and I go, <laughs> do an Italian, eh, what are you doing? Go to work. I'm the one who starts the complaining about the boss. Because he does something that I don't like. He tells me to do something I don't like, so I get huffy. Do you know that? And then I get home, and I think the only place I can go is the shed, because it's too noisy in here. And I think, by the time I lay down at night, I think I've had a pretty bad day. My question is, am I righteous because of what I do or because of what I believe? The Bible says we're righteous not because of what we do, but because of what we believe. And to believe doesn't just mean to intellectually agree on certain facts. It means a commitment of your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Not just a prayer, but a commitment to trust him that he becomes your righteousness. If you imagine uh, your bank account is full of debt, this is really what Jesus has done for us. He hasn't just cleared the debt. He has placed, so in other words, he hasn't just removed our sins. He has placed his wealth in your account. God hasn't just forgiven you your sins. He has given you his wealth. And his treasure, his wealth is Jesus. Christ in you. Christ, when you believe, he comes to live in your heart. His wealth and resources are in you. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. Not because of anything you've done, but because of everything that Jesus has already done for you. By faith. Which is why it must be grace alone. We are not saved by works, lest anyone boast about the life that they live. Righteousness to be made right. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul, he was a Jew. He was the most um, accomplished uh, student of the law. Uh, he, uh, I don't know, he, he was Jew more Jewish than the Jews. Let me put it like that. But he met Jesus. And he realized that all the good things that he had done were totally a waste of time and rubbish because he couldn't be saved by what he did, but only be saved by what Jesus did. And so after he was saved, he would go, he would preach to 
mostly to the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles are a group of people that are not Israel, basically, the Jews. The Jews, through Jews, came the knowledge of God, the covenants. It came, came, well, that's why the Jews are so important to God, always have been and always will be, because God has a plan for Israel, not just in the past, but in the future. Which is why we bless Israel. We bless the Jews. But Paul knew that being a Jew and doing all the right things was the wrong way to achieve righteousness. You see, the Jews would always say, I've got to do this and this and this and this and this. And Paul knew that you can't go back to the law if you're going to be free to live in his righteousness. Paul was really concerned about this going back to the works of the law to be right with God. He literally had a face-off with Peter in Antioch. He said when Peter came to Antioch with, uh, and James with some of the brothers, he said they separated themselves as Jews in a bring-and-share dinner. So you imagine they're having a bring and share, everybody's eating, and uh, Peter, he knows the truth, that you're not made right by what you do, not by the law, we're under grace. And he basically saw Peter separate himself because of this pressure group that says you've got to obey certain rituals you can't eat with the Gentiles or you'll be unclean. What makes us clean? Faith in what Jesus has done, not what you eat. They were going back to the works of the law. And this is the danger, is that you and I can go back. If Peter could go back, and his best mate, and Paul's best mate, Barnabas. Paul called them hypocrites. Are you saying that you are going to be justified by what you do now? Because that little bit will create a superior Jewish Christian, Christian, Christianity. The Jews are not superior. The Gentiles are not superior. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus has made one new man. Out of the two. There is no superior Christianity. We're saved by grace through faith. And that is a gift of God. So no one can boast. Don't mix the two. Paul was, um, he was actually furious that this was even going on. And there had to be a shift so that there could be a continued move of God. And there has to be a continual shift from works in our lives too, that we don't go back to a performance-based relationship with God. <laughs> but we're righteous because of Jesus, not because of our performance. Anybody feel the freedom in that? Anybody love the truth that sets us free? He became sin for us.
that we who believe might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. His righteousness is our righteousness by faith. See, the law is perfect. When I speak about the law, what do I mean? I don't mean the law of the society we live in. We are under the law of our society. And all the Christians said, yes, we are. Hello? We're under the tax laws. We're under government laws. We live under the law of the society to please God, actually, ultimately. But we're not under the law of Moses, which was speaking of the moral law, the Ten Commandments. That's the moral law of God. Or the ceremonial laws, all the washing to be clean, the food, what you must do and mustn't do on a Sunday, or on a Sabbath day rather, um, you know, all, all the kosher stuff and the separate stuff and, oh, 613, I think there are. Imagine having to do that. Keep you busy. The law will keep you busy. <laughs> You'll be ever so busy trying to please God. As soon as you feel a work's coming in, you've lost the rest of faith and you start to be ever so busy and start to do things that actually you're trying to justify yourself before God. And we're not justified by anything but by faith in what Jesus has done. I hope this is helping you this morning. But I just believe God wants this move of grace to continue and it won't happen with us going back to the works of the flesh. But it's by grace through faith. We don't relate to God down to our performance, but we do it based on his perfect performance. Now I'm just going to read a few scriptures that I think might help you be even more excited that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, because I know you are. I do, actually. I know you're excited about it. Aren't you excited about being the righteousness of God by faith? Do you not think that that's a wonderful thing? What a miracle that I can stand before God, that when I go to glory, I'm not going to go in and say, with my long list of do's and don'ts like the scales, good and bad, I'm going to go, Jesus is my righteousness. I am accepted because of Jesus. Isn't that just great? for our future but you're going to be even more amazed when you see and understand grace because of what we used to be before we had Jesus in our lives Paul often says it's really important you look what you were so you can really appreciate grace so Ephesians chapter 2 says this speaking about your salvation you he made alive Alive to God, alive in righteousness, actually. Who were dead in sins and transgressions. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, amongst whom you all work, were once conducting yourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Let me just unpack that just briefly for you. It's not going to be a lengthy Bible study. 
Um, but it's really important to know that you were dead in sin. Sin separates us from God. You and God were separated, never to be united by what you did. You could never please God because every single person born, including the cutest child ever, who God loves, is born in sin because we're all born in Adam. We were all born dead, separated from God eternally. What a lost state to be in. Forever lost and destined for eternity and judgment and punishment. We were actually under the influence of Satan, under the power. We couldn't get out from the power of Satan. Satan controlled our lives through our flesh. We used to be rebels against God, hate God and anything to do with authority. Rebels and objects or children of wrath. Now, I, I, that word isn't really common today. You know, if somebody gets really angry with you, you don't say they've got a lot of wrath. <laughs> but actually, it, speaking of God's wrath is his anger and justice and punishment for sin. You see, God hates sin, but he loves us. And because he is holy and we are all sinners, he is in conflict because of his love for us. So he works this plan that he's always had to save us. And he says, I'll send my only son, the one I love, who is holy and perfect, to become a man and to live a perfect life and to die on a cross and take the punishment and the wrath of God. When you see Jesus dying, it is God's wrath on him that should have been on me. It should have been on us all. But Jesus took the punishment for our peace, punishment for our sins, that the, we might have peace with God through faith in Jesus. Isn't he wonderful? Yes. Isn't Jesus amazing? Because here it says, because of this condition, that you were helpless to save yourself, and so was I. I love the words in verse 4, but God. Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God. Aren't you glad? But God. Even though I was in that condition, but God. <laughs> Who is rich in mercy. In other words, he doesn't want to punish people. Because of his great love, not little love, great love. No one will ever love you. Not even your wife, not your mother. Nobody will ever love you as much as God loves you. He loved us with the love that he loved us. What happened? He sent his son to die on the cross, even when we were dead. And let's skip down to verse 8. Actually, let's, let's 
Let's look at verse 7 because it's a good one. I can't help it. I'm excited about grace. That in the ages to come, because of what Jesus has done, in the ages to come, in other words, in eternity, which is going to go on for ages. Eternity is ages. Never ending. Do you know what he's going to do? Show the exceedingly riches of his grace. What's grace? God giving everything to those who deserve nothing. So all eternity in heaven for those who believe are going to get grace, 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 grace. I mean, just amazing. That's why death for a Christian is a happy day in the right way. Because you know what's coming is the exceedingly riches of his grace. For eternity he's going to show it. I mean, I can't imagine it, but I'm, I'm having a good go trying. Are you having a good go trying this morning? His kindness towards us, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done in Christ Jesus. For by grace, how wonderful, by God's amazing gift and grace, that you don't earn or deserve. You have been saved through faith, through your trust in him alone and your commitment to Jesus as your saviour and Lord, as a real, real person, not as a prayer that you pray, but a person that you receive. He then makes you right with God by faith. Interestingly, verse 9 continues to say not of works because that's what the scriptures want to say again and again you don't work for your salvation it's a gift you receive it by faith but what's also interesting is verse 9 it says we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus do you see the difference for good works hang on you mean I've still got to do good yes oh happy day church is getting built in truth not saved by good works saved for good works that God has planned not your plans his plans that you should walk in them God has things planned for you to do works planned so the message of grace doesn't make you lazy spiritually Hallelujah, God's got a plan. And if you're wise, you will work the plan. But you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace alone. And you know what happens is, you see, the law proves, the law is perfect. God's word is perfect. None of it will ever pass away. The Old Testament and the New Testament will still be relevant forever. The law is perfect, but it reveals that before I become a Christian, this is, this is the core of it. It's not just what I do that's wrong. It's who I am. Not just what I do. So by nature, I have a nature to sin. That means it's actually inbuilt in me to rebel against God and to live a life independent of God pleasing myself. And it's really important. 
that you understand what Jesus said is that you must be born again. You must be born again to enter heaven. No one can enter heaven unless they're born again. Say born again. It's, a, it's not American. It's word of God. It's not a style of Christianity. It is the only way to heaven. You must be. Do you know this morning you are born again? If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the miracle has happened by faith alone in an instant. The old you is removed. Praise the Lord. The sinner is gone. Praise the Lord. You are not a Christian who still has a nature to sin. Because the victory of what Jesus has already done is he didn't just take your sins to the cross. He took you, the sinner. And when he died, you died. And when he rose again and you then believed in what he had done, you were raised, born of God, a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. Oh, hallelujah. What amazing grace that we should have a birth, a new birth that makes us right with God. Because we are not right by what we've done but only righteous by faith in what Jesus has already done. Oh, the wonderful, powerful grace of our God. Jew or Gentile, all have to be saved this way, by faith alone, by grace alone made righteous. Abraham was a believer and it was accounted to him as righteous. But now all who believe, you see Christ is the end of the law, the working, the working to please God, the working to perform, the working to become a better person, to have a better day tomorrow. Before you get up, you say to yourself, I better have a better day. I better try and not get mad today with that driver. I better try real hard. Stop your trying and start believing. Because trying leads to a miserable life, but faith leads to a life of joy. That when you step out of bed in the morning, you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I haven't done anything to do that, to achieve that, but he did it for me. So you start the day in the truth and not in your moods or your feelings. Because what you believe affects how you live. Because if you believe you're wrong all the time trying to make a score with God, you will fail. 
But if you believe that he has become your righteousness, that you're a new creation, that Christ now lives in you, then faith will see the grace of God begin to work in your experience. Because you will live what you believe. Paul said, if the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Free from what? Free from sin. Many Christians like to quote Romans uh, 6, 12, I think it is. For we're not under law, but grace. It's true. It's the truth. We're under grace because he's done it all. But the first part of the verse is, sin shall not have dominion over you. Go on, say it. Because I'm not under law, but under grace. Amen. You're not ruled by sin anymore. You're ruled by Jesus, who is the righteous, righteous one, the holy one. Christ in you. Isn't it interesting when Jesus said to his disciples, be perfect as I am perfect, as God is perfect. You're like, well, I'm flipping it, I can't do that. I'd be like, if I was one of those disciples, I'd say, could we just unpack that, Lord? Perfect? I, I, I think you're, you have unrealistic expectations. Does God have an unrealistic expectation of a Christian? It's a good question, isn't it? When he says, be holy as I am holy, is that an unreal expectation? No, only if you think law and not grace. It's unreal expectations if you think it's got to be something you achieve. But it's grace when you believe because of his presence and power living in you, you can be. Whoever's sitting next to you say, because of Jesus, you can be perfect. (laughs) And some of the husbands and wives are going, that is a miracle. That is a miracle. And, And I know Pastor Andrea would look at me and say, that's a miracle. Because I don't live a perfect life. But I know him. And he is my perfection. Now, it's very clear in Scripture That if we sin, because we can mess up, we can confess our sins. If we're honest to him and go to him and say, I'm really sorry. And he forgives us. But confession doesn't make you righteous. Faith does. Because confession can become a work of unbelief, actually, that you don't believe who you are. But confession says, I'll forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all righteousness. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. We go to him and say, sorry. He forgives us and restores us to right relationship. But the Bible is really clear that Christians are not Christians if they don't change their lives. Yeah, 
going to preach to you. I've got a yes and amen this side. Christians aren't Christians if there's no change. It's not grace to continue in sin. Paul said this in Romans 6 verse 1. He says there were people saying, oh, brilliant, there's grace. We can do anything we like and God will always forgive us. Brilliant. Let's just keep living in sexual immorality, in homosexuality. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. And Paul says, no. No, never. Never. Jesus died to destroy sin so that you might not only be righteous, but live a righteous life by grace through faith, by his enabling power. Now this is, can lead to a lot of conundrums as a follower of Jesus. Because some churches say you can do this. Some churches say you can do that. Some say, oh, it doesn't matter what you do. He loves you anyway. It's the truth he loves you, but he hates sin. And it's not grace to accommodate what you think is sin. It's what he says. If you read your Bible, you'll soon find out what doesn't please God. And heaven and earth will pass away. God isn't um, sort of being modernized in our culture. Can I have anybody say amen? Because we, we have to know this is the fact. We are not modernizing God. We are changing to conform to the image of Christ and the word of God, not modernizing Christianity. I just, I'm not mad at you, but I'm mad at the teaching that is going around, that is leading many astray. God is love. He loves everyone. Because even while I was still a sinner, he still died for me. It's not about judgment, but it's about righteousness. So we're saved and made righteous by grace alone. But then he gives us grace to live a holy life. A completely new life. Why? Because Christ enables that life. Now, I, am I going on too long this morning? Are you sure? I feel I am, and I'm sorry. But I feel there's a flow of teaching here that I didn't know would come. Okay, so, is, is, is it okay to, um, how am I going to put this, Lord? I don't know how to put it. It's just not okay to carry on sinning with Jesus if you're a Christian. If you're not, you can't help it. Hello. So, in the church, the called out ones, those who believe, not because you're in a building and you sign a membership form, but because you're born again, added to the church. In the church, it's not permitted. Outside, I'm not here to judge the world because I was once like them. 
I was dead in sin. I was a rebel. I was that. But I am no longer. I am a new creation. And it's changed my life by the way that I live. And so no Christian has a right to judge a sinner. That's why we are to preach the gospel of grace, which has power to change a person, make them a new creation so they no longer want to sin. Did you know where if you're born again, you don't want to? You struggle with it. You don't feel comfortable. When you're sinning, you actually feel... In fact, life seems to get more complicated when you're born again. Does anybody notice? And you feel this, it's called the Holy Spirit in you, saying, don't do that. Don't say that. Now you need to say sorry. Because he's convicting us of sin, saying that I didn't write. But it's not in you to want to. The want to has been taken out through the cross. And the want to serve God and please him is in you. So... I question if nobody changes their life, even though they prayed their, pr- their prayer, did they really commit to Jesus and turn to him and believe? Because to be a Christian actually means I am different on the inside. I won't live the life perfectly. There's grace to change as I go. But my intention and my way of life has completely changed because he's put his spirit within me and I want to. I want to please God. I want to do the right thing. Do we have any believers? So don't judge the world because God isn't. He's pleading with them to be reconciled to him so that he can give them a power that changes everything. And that's his presence living on the inside of those who believe. We're not here to finger point. We're not even here to finger point at any others in the church. But we are here to know the truth and know the grace of God. Jesus came with grace and truth, not just grace. And I'm going to finish with this. I think, Titus, it's an unusual scripture. Titus, verse 11. And then we're going to close. How are we doing? Is it been healthy for you this morning to hear the truth? Some of you might be sitting there going, hang on a minute, maybe I'm not born again. I might have gone to church, I've done all the right things, but have I really committed my life to believing and following Jesus? Have I been born again? That's the big question that settles your eternity and gives you peace with God, by faith alone. Others of us might say, hang on a minute, I just need to not be influenced by people who say these things are okay. An unrighteousness and an unholiness that goes on around. It's not right, but there's grace to live righteous, not grace to continue in sin. Amen. Now this is an interesting, this really got me this week. Titus 2 verse 11, for the grace that brings salvation to all men has appeared. I love that. Speaking of grace, 
Almost like it's a person, isn't it? Jesus has appeared as grace. He's come to give us everything that we can't earn or work for. Grace that brings salvation has appeared to all. So in other words, this is for the whole world. God's grace has been poured out for everyone, not just for us. But it works in our lives when we believe. But this is the really important thing about grace. It's grace that teaches us to say no to the wrong things. Do you not think that's remarkable? Grace, not law. God's, God's grace in me says, oh, I can say no to doing that or saying that or carrying on in that. There's grace to not sin. And the Holy Spirit in me teaches me to deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. What a popular message holiness is. But it only becomes an awful thing if you think about law, what I've got to work at. But it becomes a thing of joy when you realize there's grace for it. There's grace for you to resist temptation. There's grace for you to say no to adultery. There's grace for you to stop living for yourself and pleasing yourself and being lazy. Grace teaches us to live for God. Praise God. Praise God. 1 John puts it like this about not being deceived in our current day and in any age. 1 John 3 says this. I'm going to finish with this. It's startling. Don't be deceived, little children. I love the way scripture says, don't, 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 don't be misled by people's ideas about what Christianity is. Go to the word of God which is the truth. Let the word govern everything that you believe, not what's being said. Are we okay there? And by the way, there's grace to change. There's power to not live frustrated in your life with whatever you face. But Paul, uh, John says, my little children, don't be deceived Whoever is righteous will practice righteousness. Whoever is of the devil will practice unrighteousness. Whoever is righteous will practice right living before God in his eyes. But whoever is unrighteousness, unrighteous, will practice sin, basically. And scripture says, is of the devil. Because sin is of the devil, not of God. And God has given us his amazing grace, Romans 5, 17, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. You can rule over sin, over temptation, and you can say yes to the right living for God in your life.
is abundance of grace, not law. You see, law isn't a holy, a holiness isn't a law thing, it's a grace thing. You don't work to be holy, you're made holy so that you can live holy in the power of the Holy Spirit. None of us can live this Christian life without him. You can't do it, but he does it for us. Don't be deceived by people who say they're Christians and go on walking like they always did. Pray for them, love them, and bring truth if you can. But don't you be taken off track. For heaven's sake and for many other people's sake, we must be a generation who know what grace is and what truth means so that we can now live by the gift of God's grace a righteous and holy life. Amen. Shall we stand? Praise God. Woo! Praise God. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.